0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. West Ham won, Newcastle United won. A fabulous point for Newcastle United. At the London Stadium, you have Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, Norman Riley. Straight after the game this week in our Kings Cross Hotel uh, to talk to you people about what I thought was a, a you know a, a great point considering the absentees maybe even a better performance uh, than you know than the point itself it was absolutely fantastic we're gonna get right into it today we're on Patreon you can support this podcast come and join us for 6 pounds month for lots more of these shows also you get this podcast advertisement free uh, Charlotte let's get right into it then we've just got back from the London Stadium how did that make you feel?
2: I'm just buzzing. We got a point. I, um, you know, I I thought getting a point away at West Ham would have been good, even if we had all of our uh, best players available, um, or our our first choice players available. Um, And then when we got all this injury news, we got ASMs out. We obviously know Trippier's out. We uh, uh, Manquillo's out, and. um, and then I saw the team sheet, and you can hear that on, on the Match Day podcast for our patrons, but we, sort of, we all were sort of like, well, Norman was, kept the faith, knew Eddie Howe was doing something uh, right, but um, I was a little bit skeptical, and then I thought, extra, if we get a point out of this, I will be really, really, really happy. So yeah, I've, I've walked away pretty pretty chuffed. I'll
3: tell you what, you know what's interesting about this is that, watching Eddie Howe's post-match interview, in his demeanor reflected kind of how I feel. Now in context, and I know, it, and I'm dead happy. It's a brilliant point, right? It really is. But I'm also disappointed we didn't win, and that's a good thing, right? Because what that means is that the standards that we is setting those players, and our expectations of what he's doing are that little bit higher. And it's it's not like I'm it's not like I'm disappointed in an angry way. I'm angry with the players. I'm angry with Howe. It's like I'm disappointed because we were the better team, and I thought we deserved to win. So it's a brilliant point on paper. Of course, it is. It's fantastic, and we'll go to Brentford six games unbeaten. Um. again I, I, I said this on the Match Day podcast I can't recall the last time we went six games unbeaten if we did under Bruce then that is tragic uh, and I apologise right so it, it, you know you're looking, you're looking pre-Rafa we never went six unbeaten under Rafa in the Premier League so that's one one to dig out later on but ultimately brilliant point but as hell said it's just one of those where you thought God we could have won and how good is it to be able to get into West Ham fifth top where there was injuries that we had still come away thinking we probably should have won that fantastic
1: totally agree And like you say, Norman, there's just so much feel-good. There is a feel-good factor around the club at the minute, isn't there? And the the news broke this morning. ASM injured. Could be out for two or three weeks. Bit of a strange one, that, because Eddie Howe said in the press conference yesterday that there were no new injury concerns. And I don't think he's a liar. Um, I mean, he can be if he wants. Maybe it's mind games. But, you know, it it was leaked, obviously, this morning. It was leaked to a journalist or or a journalist was told. um, And to come, come to a team... That have that 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 could be in the conversation, but come the end of the season for a Champions League place, but will most likely definitely be playing European football again next season. To go there with the, the absentees, with um, the you know the loss of a captain and Kieran Trippier, because he is a captain now, uh, the loss of your most skillful and most productive player in terms of our top scorer. And to put in performance like that, I'm just in awe a little bit of of how good how good that was to watch. Charlotte, you made the point to me during the game. Actually, like these are hard, fast, skillful bastards. Like West Ham, physically dominated us in what was it, September, the opening game of the season. They were fitter, they were stronger, they were faster. The transformation that we saw t- today, in terms of us being able to not just match but actually best, probably West Ham in most parts of the pitch. It was a really satisfying feeling for me, you know, to come down here. We had a great night last night at the True Faith Live event, thanks to everyone who bought tickets and came along. George Culkin spoke really well, you he can hear the full podcast for that on our Patreon platform this week. But I just felt like every, everyone walking out of that away in there is just kind of really grateful. I feel really grateful, we'll have, we've not come and won, but I just feel really grateful that we're going to every single game and we all now know that we're going to see the absolute bare essentials, which are work rate which are fitness things that you shouldn't have to say as a football fan that simply weren't there before Eddie Howe came in so really really good result for Eddie Howe you talked about his his post-match comments there he seemed really really calm he seems in control of the situation Um, you know no one do, do you want to extend on that a little bit further in terms of what Eddie Howe has said post-game
3: I obviously he's got a lovely way of talking because as you see he's very calm and it's very analytical so he'll praise elements of the game but then he'll kind of reflect on what he thinks could have gone better his own disappointments but the fact that he's doing them, the way that he does it it it, all, it, it tells you straight away that what he's going to do is, he's taking that on board he's going to be in the training ground tomorrow or Monday or whenever it is and he's going to be working, working on that straight away and working on that with those players so, bigging up the good all the good elements of the game but also looking at the, the parts that could have been better and saying well, that's where we need to improve and it's just that constant need to improve, and it, it's, we spoke about this at the, at the event, obviously, it's it's so refreshing to see, and what we are, what we have in Howe is a competitor, right? Steve Bruce, the previous manager, didn't care enough. Mm. Howe is a competitor, he wants to win, he gets angry when he doesn't win, and that's what you want. And we drew today, and as we say, Howe was pleased, but he was still a little bit angry that we didn't win, and that's what you want, right? That level of competitiveness is, is just wonderful to see. Um, and he, his, he himself, I think he's starting to understand the job a bit better. And you know, the other thing as well, he did have 80 months out of the game. Probably going to take him a little bit of a, a, a while to to kind of get a, a, a f- to get that feel again, to get it to that point where he's completely in control and knows everything that's going on. And I think we're seeing it now. And the relationship that he's building with the fans is starting, to me, again, I might be getting over-excited, but it feels
1: like something special is starting to happen. Really interesting point there about, you know, how how felt after the game. And, I, you know, me and Charlotte were stood next to during the game. So I was saying to you, Charlotte, on about seventy-five, there just there just wasn't there wasn't what we'd seen under Bruce, but even under Rafa as well. You know, it wasn't like we got deeper and deeper and deeper through that second half. I think probably by the very end of the game there was we did we did accept the point. But even even going at the last ten minutes of the game, the game was 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 open. There wasn't one clear team on top. And the, the mentality shift's absolutely huge. And I just, I just think all of our relegation rivals, and I keep saying this in podcasts, do they have what we have? Do they have the um, euphoric scenes at home games? Do they have people not able to buy tickets for games in three weeks' time? Uh, do they have, um, like, raucous away ends and... Uh, like a clamour for tickets, which which I've not known for a long time at the football club. Do they have the connection between player and fan and fan and owner? And I think the answer is no. And I also think, do they have the ability to go to West Ham away um, without their three best players and and do what we did today? And the answer is no. Now, we are recording uh, at, ho- at four o'clock uh, after the game. So, there are Premier League fixtures going on right now. So, I don't want to speculate too much about what might happen. Burnley are winning 2-0. That shit. Um we shouldn't have gutted Brighton of everything good about it. um But you know, at the t- you know when we before those games kicked off, Newcastle were five points clear over the relegation zone with a game in hand, with a very very winnable or, or certainly a game at Brentford next week. I would expect us to take points from. Everything seems to be going really, really, really well from that perspective. Like you said, Norman Six unbeaten today. Um, we are the form. We're one of the form teams in the Premier League, not just in the relegation battle of the bottom half. We're one of the form teams in the Premier League, and I'm just so full of praise and admiration for Eddie Howe, for the owners, for Eddie Howe, for the people who brought the players in and the transfers. This this seems to be a really, really positive version under sorry positive version of Newcastle United, and Eddie Howe deserves all of the credit for the world for that. Charlotte, just a quick one from you on um, your experience of West Ham as an away fan
2: terrible um, <laughs> I've, never, I've never liked the London Stadium we talked about this a little bit on the um, Away End podcast again on Patreon but just a sort of brief overview um, it's it's a really weird place to go it's a, it's an athletic stadium with a football pitch in the middle of it, Like you're quite far away from the action, the West Ham fans make no noise or if they try and make noise which I didn't see them try to do but if they do, it doesn't carry I don't really understand, it's a really strange place and then there's also like hammers everywhere in there, like the irons and it says C O Y I like come on you ions and then the game show presenter voiced voiceover man is is like, you know, all this aggressive stuff and then and then there's a bubble machine and they score a goal and it's like thousands of bubbles just float over the stadium it just seems so weird to me it's such a weird place it doesn't make walk any to sense the
1: ground to i've been to west Hamway many times but this is my first time at this ground walk to the ground and the blokes are just shouting irons just everyone shouting irons at each other that's fine you gotta do what you gotta do on your way to the game to get yourself going there was absolutely no atmosphere in that ground today that is the and i'm not even digging out west Ham fans here in particular even though i am a little bit that was the worst ever ground I've ever been to for atmosphere. and it's not just me being your typical or your home fans or shit no, no, that that was the worst football ground I've ever been to in my life
3: well that's pretty inconclusive uh, what I will see is you two mo- mocking bubbles you've had a bubble in your eye tell you what it stings getting those bubbles in your eyes I can see what they're digging there um, quickly on something you said it's comparing it to West Ham in September when West Ham bullied us in that second half right? and Callum Wilson even mentioned it Then he kind of alluded to it the fact that we were just not fit at all our players look, and I've said this after the Villa game, they just look bigger. They look bigger than they've ever looked, right? They look like they can stand up to to huge midfielders like Rice and Suchek and, and Antonio. Dan Byrne at the back against Antonio. Antonio has built like a truck. Dan Byrne didn't give him anything. To have the players as fit and as strong as they are in that short amount of time is testament to the methods on the training ground and the determination of the players to get themselves there. Look at Ryan Fraser today when he took his top off at the end. Have you seen did you see it? It was like, it was like a power lifter. For, for all the listeners, if you remember He Man, there was a character on there called Ram Man, and he looks exactly like Ram Man. So that's it now. Ryan Fraser is Ram Man.
1: Okay, that does it for part one of the True Faith podcast. We're gonna leave you with some adverts uh, here. Of course, if you want to listen to this without the adverts, us and patrons at £6.60 a month. I say it lots and lots. Back with you after this.
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including
1: EE system. Charlotte, you would like to talk about how resilient your thought Newcastle United were today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Eddie Howe said it in his press conference post-match um, this is this is a team transformed and we, we keep saying it but every week there's just more and more that's been built on uh, more and more that positivity and it's yeah that word resilience it's this um, we're one nil down but it doesn't fucking matter because we're going to come back into the game we're back into the game within a minute and that's just something we haven't seen for a really long time and you can see it an individual play- well in fact all the players have it like everybody believes that 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 we can we can pick ourselves back up everybody on that pitch it, there's there's no like there's no um cowing to the opposition at all and 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 it it feeds into all the other things that we're talking about like our big bastards in midfield and our big our big um you know everybody Playing differently, playing better—it's just—it's just this incredible mind shift and confidence, and and just sort of—I don't know—I just—I—I—I'm in—I'm in admiration and in awe of all of the players today because they could have, they could have fallen apart and they didn't.
3: Again, you have to compare it to Newcastle United pre-arrival of Hell and now, for a start, I don't expect what I'm going to goaldoon. I used to always expect that when, when we went to goaldoon. Given the statistics show that we very rarely come back to get anything from a game when we want to go to doing, You just thought, that's it, game hour. It just doesn't happen. West Ham scored today. And this is at West Ham Stadium. This is a team who's, who's pushing for a Champions League place. We want to go all And I still didn't feel like we were going to lose. And I had the exact same feeling against Everton as well when we went to go to This is a very unique position to be in. Under Benitez, we were going to go all Dune. And I still felt the same. I thought, we're probably going to lose this. because I mean, we usually did, right? Right now there is just something there, you see it's it's the resilience, it's the competitiveness, it's the, the organization, the determination and, and I think you can feel it amongst the fans as well. There's not a collective groan, right? There used to be audible collective groans when we went to Gold doing. And now it's like, no no, we're just gonna sing harder, sing louder. So we're we're putting more effort in when we're gonna go all doing as the players are on the pitch and it's there's a wonderful symmetry to it.
2: I just wanna draw um a parallel to remember when our first game after the new ownership and it was Tottenham and it was at home and his home game and it was um the atmosphere was insane in st james's park for like 10 minutes and then it sort of petered out and so did the performance on the pitch like as fans we've also like trained ourselves to be um louder and for longer and and we're, we're galvanized by what's on the pitch and and i and i just it it feeds like each Thing. The, the, what's on the pitch feeds us and what we're doing feeds what's on the pitch and it's just become this big self-feeding beast that I really enjoy being part of.
1: As do I and I, I think you're spot on both of you and Charlotte to your point about resilience and your point Norman about Ex- either not expecting to go behind, or, or if you go behind, it's okay. It happens sometimes in football matches. It doesn't have to be the catastrophic event. It's been for so long, like you say, no, well, not just the previous manager, but the one before that, and definitely the one before that. And <laughs> Steve McLaren, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just so, so proud that we have a team full of shit house blokes who are horrible to play against. And we talked about in the previous podcast the midfield being horrible. But like Ryan Fraser when he scythed down that player, that like. God, that like must be so frustrating to play against. Because Fraser knows he can take a book in there, and he'll be all right. He know he knows he can do it. You know, some of the challenges that were put in these days, like, you know, yeah, da- Dan Byrne, like crunching targets, crunching. You know, I mean, Dan Byrne took out a player. Got actually booked for yeah. for like a, hor- a horrible yeah. challenge, yeah. a horrible challenge. You know, th- it was about half an hour late because the whistle had already gone, and he still he's still crunching players, and there just seems to be a confidence that runs through him. I think. I think Fabian Cher is the master. Any he? like he's the he's the the small free kick man. And by small free kick, I mean you know where in the away end and Cher gives away a free quick, uh, kick um, halfway into West Ham territory when we've had an attack and, and the natural inclination is to kick off. I'm like for fuck's sake, man, Cher. and Actually, you're like that's such a sensible foul. We've never been a team for sensible fouls. We've never been a team for like Ryan Fraser just like looks at that situation, and thinks yeah, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna make sure I get yell a yellow card, but I'm gonna hurt him. I'm going to hurt that player and I'm going to make sure he feels that and he isn't just getting up to take it quickly. It's great to see.
3: It really is great to see. Fabian Shea, I would be delighted to see him getting a new contract and I mean that because I think we need four centre-halves right, to be a competitive side and there's no reason he can't be one of those four. Like Not necessarily you know, first choice if we bring in let's say Botman or Diogo Carlos for example but as somebody who knows the Premier League Knows how to play the game, I think it would be. I would be, I would be delighted. He's a £3.5 million player from Deputy La Grenier. £3.5 million. And he's been putting in performances lately that are like £20 million performances. There's no two ways about it. And the Dan Byrne tackle on Jared Byrne at the end is horrible as it might have seemed, right? He didn't hurt Byrne, but he knew what he was doing. And you know what? Who cares? We're in a relegation match. That's what we did. We, we want to show other teams, right? So Brentford, Thomas Frank watches that today. Him and his coaching staff watch that. And He looks at guns. these are these will hurt you, these lads will hurt you if you, you know, if, if you don't do this, you don't do that, then these lads are gonna hurt you. Burn kicks off for Burn. Obviously, Burn stands up, he's six foot seven and built like an absolute unit, right? He stands up, wanders off. What happens next is Burn's giving it in the mouth, share straight in, straight in. Burns, yeah, you know what he's saying, he's just saying some horrible things to him, and I'm, I'm all for it, I am all for it because. That's the competitive, competitiveness of football. No, you need to be nasty. And we are getting there, we're getting there, and we're getting nasty. And I am really, really loving it.
2: Yeah, just echoing that because we do. We were too nice. We were too nice. We were soft. We were eat- like people, people look forward to coming to St. James's Park or look forward to us visiting them because we weren't going to tackle. We, stay off, we stayed off the ball until like eight games ago. Um, and it's, it is, it's a pleasure to see.
1: A look at the bench today. You know, talk about having four good centre backs, the two who started plus Jamal Lascelles and Federico Fernandez on the bench. You know, a long for long periods while Fernandez was was out, you you, you thought you'd walk back into that team. Lascelles plays, you know, has his best game in a couple of years, probably against Everton, and you think you'd walk back in the team. And here we are, genuine competition for places, really, really positive stuff. Overall, though, on the the mentality thing, I mean, winning does that. Winning helps. Um, the, the there's a confidence flowing through the team but I think the there's just a I think Joe Willock said it, I don't know if it was this week the interview we gave to Chris Woff and, and George Colk at the Athletic but again he's come out and said training's better, more intense we'll, we'll, we'll train on the front foot, we'll play on the front foot I thought Newcastle played a lot of football today like the the ability of, of, of Shar and um, Byrne from the back to, to be able to split uh, quite far across the pitch and the fullback's Able to push up, it just it it's it's like watching a completely different sport to you know shit the bed tactics Bruce had, which was just get everyone along the eighteen yard line and hope for the best from there. Like th- there's been massive progress from how on that front, and I don't you know we'll just have a word on West Ham. I really don't understand West Ham's game plan today. I thought that Newcastle were put under very little pressure at the back. They were put under very little little pressure in midfield at times. Uh, West Ham because the crowd were getting on the back a little bit started to put more but West Ham almost approached that one today like the away team and I just wonder if that is a, a marker of respect for how well Newcastle have been playing
2: I wonder it's either a marker of respect or conversely is it just a like an assumption that we're still not where we need to be. We've beaten the teams who are lower in the table. West Ham are higher in the table. They're challenging for Europe. Newcastle haven't.
1: Well, then, they would, then yes, but then then they would surely try and take the ball off us. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I I I don't know what happened to West Ham today or what, why why it was so bad. They did not. They had no confidence. They didn't look like a team in the even in the top half of the table. Um. So I mean, you know, that's fine by me. We were playing them, but it was a very strange.
1: I think that's a very, very good point, and I'm pleased you've said it. It's very difficult for me today to to point out who was the team going for the top four and who was the team seventeenth place in the league. There was almost nothing between the teams. And then you look at the injuries and look at the fact that West or oh, you know, Antonio's playing, uh, Rice and Suchek are playing, they've got their best lads playing. And I think if Newcastle have the you know, if they had ASM and Kieran Trippier, I think they win that game without question.
3: 100% absolutely Maxi on today given that Jacob Murphy saw plenty of the ball and obviously M- Murphy's a he's a limited limited player in the Premier League he's not particularly effective with his left foot and he's on the left hand side he's having to use his right foot all the time um, Alex has just shown me a picture of Norwich winning against Liverpool and he's completely thrown me throwing me um, but um, the if, if Maxi had been playing we would have won I think Moyes wouldn't let West Ham have an expectation that they're going to win the game. That's not that's not Moyes character. What I would say is there are a couple of th- things here yeah, given West Ham's performance. There is, you know, a, a rumor doing the rounds that they're just knackered, right? Because they've they played a lot of football. They didn't bring any. He wasn't backed in the window. He didn't. He wasn't allowed to bring anyone in. Burns been having a niggle, Antonio's been injured a lot. Um, Zuma's head's not the right player. Zuma had a terrible game today. I thought um, he was he was really poor. Um, and they are either they're a tired team. But what I would say is as well. I looked at their front six today. If you include Rice and Suchek those six players, and I thought to myself, this is going to be tough. I just think Moyes is probably not getting the best out of them. That's more today. I would say it's more just Eddie Howe showing that he's a better manager than David Moyes because I think if you stick, if you stuck Howe in that West Ham, dug out West Ham, probably would have beat us today. If you look at the, the talent that they've got in that in that team, so I um, West Ham, which we just which just made them look very ordinary, like we did with Villa, mate.
1: <laughs> fair point. Yeah, yeah, really fair point, and. I mean, let's 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 talk about some individuals now. Um, go on then, Charlotte.
2: Oh, I want to talk about every single player, but I want to talk about Chris Wood because I do. Like I, I said to you halfway through. Look, okay, he hasn't he hasn't got that finish yet. We haven't got the goals out of him yet. But I think Chris Wood is growing in confidence. Like watching him today. I think I think we're gonna get a lot from him in the in this latter part of the season. He was way more confident. He was running on the ball. Um but honestly, watching him today, at first when he first came in the side after that Cambridge match, I was like, Oh, he looks a bit lost, like I'm not sure. But you can see that Eddie Howe, that Jason Tindall that that um that training and And bringing the team together and all this stuff, all this stuff off the off the training ground, like having lunch together and all of that stuff, is is already having an effect on him. And and I really enjoyed watching him sort of grow into the game. Um, there's also Willock, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but I think Norman Norman's nodding at me, so I'll pass over to for his individual.
3: No, and I was just I was just nodding because Willock is the player that I want to talk about. Um, quick quickly on Wood another thing about Wood is I think he arrived at Newcastle low on confidence he'd been in a Burnley side that hadn't played many games in the games that I had played in, they'd usually lost he wasn't scoring goals so if you're a forward and a struggling side and you're not scoring goals and the confidence is low you're, you're going to be you know, really lacking in confidence but like the Newcastle team that he's at he is growing in confidence and he's probably becoming a better player as well um, I don't doubt for a second that Chris Wood will probably get four or five goals with him now on the end of the season and they'll be incredibly important um, Joe Willock like watching this kid hit the levels that he was at last season in fact not even hit the levels he was at last season right how how referenced Willock in his match um, his post match interview on BT Sport saying that it's not even what he just offers uh, driving forward right his athleticism it's the space that he covers he closes down so much space he really like like Suchek and Rice today Shelby and Julian were good but it's Willock's movement just had them it, it had them lacking the space to move in he was so so good and the goal that he gets, it's it's almost like, right, Leeds, Alex, we were there, right, Willock comes in with both, see, that, that's a really good decision. in fact, what we'd spoken about before the team's announced, it was like, we need to get either Willock or I mean, Ron Running Willock would will be good because he's energy getting in mind Leeds, first couple of passes were a bit off, had a couple of, you know, a, a couple of sort of miscontrols, but his effort and energy were there, and then he grows into the game, right, and then the next game is Everton, Willock, takes an even bigger role right he has like a sort of good 60 minutes Aston Villa again he plays fantastically even better and today he was even better so we've seen this progress in these last four games and today he capped it off with a goal uh, a goal that got with a point and this is a kid whose confidence is through the roof and remember he's 21 22 years old He's been in Arsenal under Arteta, that kind of... And, and Emery as well, by the way, who really brought him through. That mad attention to detail, that, that management where you're getting like, tooled every single thing on the training ground. Managers monitoring you, saying you need to do this, this is how you play better. And he didn't have that under Bruce, and he fell backwards. And now he's getting together, how am I saying it? He's growing and, and grown and grown. And Willock is becoming, I think, the player that we we think that he can be.
1: Chris would give an interview in The Telegraph, I think, today, um, basically saying that like he was... like completely shocked to get a, get the shout from Newcastle United to come and play for them. He was like what? <laughs> um, which is quite nice. Seemed like a really nice guy. I mean most New Zealanders are, seem nice and that's the perception anyway um, but you're right Charlotte, he throws himself about, he's looking better every game he lo- you know like a lot of players, he's improving and back to Joe Wellock. First of all the goal by the way um, it's just it's just a bit of class. That touch to get his foot from that angle. How do you score from that angle? Like you know, we we had to celebrate it kind of from the way end. I don't know people watching it on TV if you knew it was a goal, but from where we were, it wasn't obvious. You had to wait for the referees um, referees uh, watch to go off. But yeah, it was it was a great moment, and he, he's he's deserved that. And you know, I said that we did the live show last night, and I, and I and I've said this in podcasts recently. The great thing about Willock is even if he's not playing well, which he which he was today. There isn't a game that goes by where he either shouldn't, you know, gets himself in a position to score or creates a chance for the team. That's massive. So if you look at, he comes in against Leeds, he should score at the end. Uh, next game was against Everton, he should score at the end. He wins a penalty, that's then a free kick that leads to the goal against Villa, and then he scores today. That's what you get from him when he's playing. What well, he, you don't get that from any of our other midfielders. And when Bruno is signed, everyone assumes that it's Willock who's going to drop out. And Howe says, "No, we're going to keep you in." We're gonna keep you in the team because you deserve your place in the team and that's just made we're like even better.
3: Yeah. Spot on what I'm just gonna add quickly that um if you are so desperate for a pint of a lukewarm hanging in a plastic cup that you leave <laughs> early to get it at half time and you miss out on celebrating that goal today because you're waiting for your lukewarm cool your lukewarm it in a plastic cup, then that'll teach you, <laughs> won't it? <laughs>
1: Maybe it will. I don't know. Maybe it will. I, I don't know. People just just like a pint with their mates, don't mm-hmm. they? Um, particularly, it was fucking freezing at the game today. Absolutely freezing.
2: Warm up round of nice warm Heineken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. All right, other players want to talk about um, Matt Target. I said to Norman during the game, "You know, is 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 uh, Dinia really that like? How good's Luca Dinia? Like, must be fucking like world class because Matt Target is absolutely class." There isn't anything he does badly wrong. He just knows how to play fullback. Like, we haven't had left backs, proper left backs. I mean, harsh to Paul Dummer, who was a very defensive left back. We haven't had like, a proper left back playing Newcastle in a long time. Sa- yeah, Jose Enrique was probably the last one. We've got to sign this bloke. Like, we have to sign this bloke. He looks he looks so good. He's so competent. He's just competent. It's like there's nothing he's bad at. He's strong in the tackle. He puts in good balls into the box. He, he gets to the byline well. He knows where to run. Went to run. He knows when to just get rid. I'm just so impressed. He's the one that went under the radar Obviously, he couldn't play against Villa. Played really well against Everton. But I'm struggling to think of a defensive player. Maybe we'll talk about one, actually, who's had a better two games for a debut than Matt Target. I'm just so impressed by the bloke.
2: I'm going to counter you with Dan Bain, <laughs> who is just so big and so good. He, like... I don't know if i'm romanticizing this because he's from Blythe and he's and he's a local lad and it's like his it's his child boyhood team um i just but i just feel like he's giving everything he's got every i mean it's only been a couple of games but everything he's got on that pitch like he just he was man of the match last time it's huge for him and i and and he's huge (laughs) and he's such an imposing threat and he and, he, and he's such a, um, a physical like presence I, you can see it, you can see the players around him are frightened of him and he and he wins everything he wins aerials he wins the ball back he puts it out of play he does everything he's supposed to do and without like loads of fanfare as well I just I just think he's so good he works really hard
3: his blocking today was absolutely sensational West Ham loose balls in the box shots coming in that weren't shots on target because basically Birdman's just there blocking them what I also like as well is is that he has that capacity to play out wide. He did it at Brighton a lot, and we saw a couple of times today, like you mentioned, share and Burn, kind of splitting and going going out wide and being able, to like just just being able to put really good balls down the line, being able to carry the ball out of defence. Him and Share together at the moment are the, the two games they played against two. Yeah, it's, it's one. It's they've conceded one and two games, but they've been absolutely sensational. The, neither Villa nor West Ham look to me like they've had any sort of threat from a from like a centre forward attacking perspective they've just they've just they've just absolutely dominated and obviously burn as well as we mentioned before the fact that he, he's just hard right he's the hard player and I'll tell you what I will quickly say you mentioned about me and Geordie, and I may be completely wrong here right but I think we saw this with Andy Carroll when he's in Newcastle at his first spell I think you always if it's your hometown club you're probably going to get that Tiny little bit more, maybe a subconscious thing. That determination is going to be that little bit more. I think, you know, as I say, subconsciously. And what we saw today was a player who was looked like he was playing his heart out for a club that he absolutely loves. That's what that's what I've seen. Again, might be romanticising, but hey, why not?
1: Lovely to hear. Lovely to hear. It, 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 this is just this is there's a wider point here, isn't there? Newcastle United making good, solid signings that immediately impact the first team. How long has it been since? Since that was the case. I really liked at the start of the game, uh, Newcastle wore, was it gold jackets? I don't know. I know, Yeah, sort of a yellowy golden yeah, colour. Like, <laughs> I know we're rich lads, but i you know, have a bit of...
2: They were made of gold, solid <laughs> gold. Very heavy.
1: And uh, and and they all lined up for their photograph, whatever. And then everyone um, took their jackets off. <laughs> and Dan Byrne, in his excitement, ran to the away end with his jacket on, got there and was like, oh, shit. <laughs>
2: Had to trot <laughs> Ta- back and yeah, take his jacket just off. Take
1: my jacket off, then come back but um you know like it's it's more more and more every single game isn't it each week we're having these kind of moments at the end with the manager and the players where they are coming over to the away end i mean we were six miles from the pitch because you're so far back in the away end at west ham it's absolutely mental um but it was just it was just a really really nice performance you know I mean, i'm i it's I'm disappointed we didn't win but there was a roar at full time from the away end just it's just hard for isn't it and it, you you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself um but I probably do that sometimes in this podcast, but I just I just feel that that Newcastle were were as good as West Ham without their best lads. I mean, we had Emil Craft playing right back. You know, I don't want to dig him out too much, but but he is he's dreadful. Like he is, the, the, you know, the, 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 he's the third choice right back. It's okay to be not great when you're the third choice right back. That's fine. Like if Mankeo's is fit for Brentford, he has to play for me. Um, you know, Craft gave away the the free kick for the goal. Um, really bad free kick to well, give away
2: Kraft and, and, and we're not trying to dig out players um, and and you know sorry to interrupt you but but he at like several points in the game was clear had no one around him and we, we were not passing to him We were, like none of our players wanted to pass to him they know he's going to give away the ball they know he's going to do something stupid and yeah you're right he's not our first choice we we want you know Monkey or someone back in into that position but uh, definitely the weakest link on the pitch
1: today. Not it. The only negative. Um, well, I think that just about does it for this week then. Um, I just think it's such a good point. It's so, it's such a good point. It's, this is a great feeling. You know, I talked a little bit, we talked a little bit on a, a Patreon podcast we've just recorded about how me, me and you were at uh, Leeds, Norman. And that game was, it was just like pure emotion. First of all, nearly died getting in. Didn't help. Um, then... It was like every minute of the second half before we scored was just like painful because we had to win. We had to win the game. And then we scored and it was like this sense of relief. Today it was just like watching a normal football match. It was like being a normal football fan, watching a normal football team. Um and we you know, you can't win them all and let's you have to respect West Ham's league position. You have to expect that they are I mean, before teams play this afternoon, there might be some change in the table, but they're they're in a shout with being one of the top four teams in the Premier League, and we've come here today, and I thought we played them off their own pitch in terms of uh, being faster than them, being fitter than them. Uh, We lacked quality in forward areas, but that's primarily due to injuries, and uh, we continue to get better week after week after week, and it's just so positive.
3: Absolutely spot on, mate. And you know what's really. Beautiful at the minute is that I'm already looking forward to Brentford next weekend. This is a, it's a feeling that I haven't had for a long time. We've just finished a match and I'm already looking forward to the next match under the previous regime. I did like, It's almost like I didn't care. I was like, oh, okay, there's a match in two weeks' time. Great, it's two weeks. I've got next weekend off the football. Fantastic. I'm desperate for Brentford to come through. I just want to quickly praise Ryan Fraser, who I thought, again, today was absolutely phenomenal. The graft he put in today was Unbelievable. And that volley, the technique for that volley that I think hit one of his own players, if that had gone in, it would have been one of, one of the goals of the season. Again, another player who's getting better and better and becoming a, a, a very important part of Newcastle United Football Club. And uh, I, as I say, really, really excited about Brentford because if we play like we did today against Brentford, we'll win.
1: Brilliant. Thanks so much for listening to the True Faith co- uh, podcast. Thank you, Norman and Charlotte, for your time. And we will be back on this free show. We'll all have a show this week, out for free. Not sure yet. Possibly with a journalist. We'll see. That's Charlotte's job. And uh, Norman uh, and possibly Charlotte, but definitely me and you, Norman, will be back next Sunday with the post Brentford pod. We're on in six pound sixty. Come and join. We would love to have you along. I'll wear the lads for next time. Ta-da.